0: blackscholarspublishing.com
1: that uh, we should get our own once we have our own uh, we're respected for the fact that we can create our own and uh, that's equality right there
0: Miss did it. Ooh, nylon five
1: minutes? Whoa, we are too hot in business. Welcome back to the Black Scholars Podcast. This is episode 14. The Black Scholars Podcast is a community for black educators. If you're a listener of the show, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for continuing to contribute to the show. Whether that's an email, that's a message, that's a like on Instagram, uh, that's a like on Facebook, I definitely appreciate that. If you, listener, or if someone else that you know might be a great fit for the show and you're in education, um, doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a classroom teacher. You could be a uh, what social worker, a school counselor, a school psychologist a Coach, um, it can even be collegiately. Maybe you're a professor, maybe you're a graduate assistant. Um, as long as it has something to do with education, and as long as you're a black or brown educator, then I want you as a part of the show. Uh, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook, or you can email me at the Black Scholars Podcast at gmail.com. I don't want to get too long winded, just want to thank you guys for your support. This is episode 14. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share episodes with your friends on social media. Uh, You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and Podbean. Once again, it's a pleasure. Let's get into the show. Uh, Let's start out with a little bit about your journey. So first, well, before we get into your journey, if you can introduce yourself, let us know what school you're teaching at? Um, what you're currently doing in education,
0: and then we'll get into
1: your your backstory.
0: Okay. So my name is Donika Arnold Brown. I am currently a magnet coordinator at Deedee Dee Middle School in Houston ISD in Houston, Texas. So I work mainly with helping to recruit students for our campus and our STEM program, or Energy Medicine uh, aerospace and Aerospace Technologies. So we have a grant with NASA that's real big on our campus. And so we're in a second year of our grant on our campus. And so we're recruiting, um, we're getting our programs established, and we're going through a huge push and developing our teachers to be able to bring in all of those um, real world um, experiences into the classrooms for our students okay so are you currently in the classroom i am not currently in the classroom i just left the classroom a month ago
1: wow you're yeah. just the person <laughs> you're just the person i've been looking for i love that <laughs> yes yes um yeah so before we get into what you're doing now the details of that could you tell us a bit about your educational career, what got you into education, and how you ended up where you are now?
0: Sure. So when I graduated college, I actually worked for my undergrad, my alma mater, um, houston Tilson University in Austin as a recruiter and admission counselor. So my job, much like the one I have now, was to go into the high schools and recruit, and um, worked on admissions for students as they were admitted, helped them get scholarships. So I traveled a lot to Houston um, in Texas, and I was also the out-of-state recruiter. So when I decided to transition out of higher ed, um, one of the things, and please excuse me because I do have a cold right now, um, but one of the things um, that I was told was that, hey, you would be a great coach. Um, And so I looked into secondary ed, and coaching was really the main thing I was focused on. Um, and then over the years, it kind of just flourished. Um, I started as a special education uh, resource teacher, an inclusion teacher, um, and then I got um, a health certification, so then I began to teach health, and then I moved back into the core area as an elective reading teacher, or re- uh, as they would call an intervention reading teacher, uh, working with our struggling learners, uh, mainly our ELLs, um, trying to push them um, to either pass or to get some momentum and gain um, some traction in the scores for the next, for the eighth grade year. And then I became an academic on level teacher, um, I transitioned from my old school to the school I just left as the eighth grade ELA department chair. <clears throat> and so I was also teaching on level and then I became the pre-AP. Uh, GT teacher, so the last two years in the classroom I was strictly focused on um, our pre-AP GT population preparing them for high school. Um, And so once I transitioned out of the classroom, I'm now um, the magnet coordinator at D.D. Middle School. And so with that, um, again, kind of pulls in my higher ed experience as a recruiter and recruiting students for our new program, our new STEM program. Um, And then I also have some appraiser responsibilities, on-campus leadership responsibilities um, that are kind of all tied into that.
1: Okay, so name the name of the school that you're at again right now.
0: DD Middle School, D-E-A-D-Y Middle School. And that's in Houston, Texas? It is in Houston. It oh. is on the southeast side. Okay.
1: And so, again, your primary responsibilities in this current role outside of the classroom is recruitment.
0: Is recruitment, yeah, recruitment um, and retention for the current students that we have because our district is big on um, school choice. Um, There are many options that they have. And so for recruiting new students into our program, but also making sure that the students that are coming, are getting what they expect, what their parents expect, um, and dealing with any issues dealing with those students who um, are having any issues, making sure academically they're on track, if there are any issues dealing with that, making sure transportation, of course, is on track, if there are any issues dealing with that, and building relationships with those parents and those students.
1: Now, outside of teaching, and let me know if, I just want to make sure that I've got everything clear in what you do, because you do a lot. The game changing ed is this a part of your role or is this something you're doing independently?
0: This was something I started independently because, okay. as a after 13 years in the classroom, I just naturally became a mentor for a lot of the new teachers huh. um, that were coming onto my campus, and so they somebody was just like, you need to write a book. You need to do a podcast. You need to do like you, you need to touch a lot more people than you're touching right now. Um, because although I do have an aspiration to go in administration, I don't want to wait on having a position to make an impact on Mm. our new teachers coming into the classroom because unfortunately we begin to lose those new teachers because they're not really getting, um, the the real talk that they need in order to survive their first couple of years because we're losing teachers now within their first three years. So we're losing good teachers within their first three years.
1: Agreed. So could you talk a bit more about your game-changing ed as far as what you're uh, offering to, and and is it open to any teacher no matter what district and city and state that they're in?
0: Absolutely. It's open to any teacher um, no matter where they are. Um, while my focus is on new teachers, it's also on some of our veteran teachers as well, because depending on where you are, like in Texas for us, we get new changes depending on what the test scores say every year, um, and what the expectations are, what the strategies are, and having worked on Title I campuses, even some of our veteran teachers are having challenges being able to. Um, modify their teaching after thirty years right. to meet the needs of the students that they have in front of them and in their classrooms. Right. So, with game changing ed, it's kind of a, it's kind of a my experience and what I can offer in terms of classroom management, curriculum, and, and instruction professional development, um, but also reaching the population of new and novice teachers to give them what they need in order to stay in the classroom, especially for the ones that are great teachers. We want them to stay in the classroom and stay in education, but also working with those veteran teachers to make sure that they get some support and being able to deal with the way that our students in the classroom have just changed over the last few years, um, and then offering some of those teachers also opportunities to connect with other leaders so that they can really begin to early on um, shape and mold them into effective um, administrative leaders and not just someone who's just going to have the position um, and not really work on trying to affect any real change.
1: Love it. So from an online platform, if you're open to work with uh, pretty much anyone, whether they're a novice teacher, they're a seasoned veteran, um, if they're all the way, let's say, in Michigan, what resources could they expect to get from game-changing ed? Is Are there videos? Is it conference calls? How How does that work?
0: Um, It can be conference calls. If it's just a one on one, um, if they're a novice teacher or even a veteran teacher who just needs help trying to understanding how to implement what their administration probably um, expects of them, then that could be a conference call. It could be a quick um, one on one. Um, I'm also in the process of trying to develop or not trying to develop, but developing um, a virtual mentorship program for teachers who have been in the classroom who are looking into either getting into some administration in some way, whether it be on the curriculum side or the campus administrative side, so that they don't necessarily have to get me, but they can get someone else who is an administration who wants to serve as a mentor and connect them together. So it's not, they don't feel like they have to kind of restrict the conversations that they want to have about being in administration and where they want to go, but they really get guidance on what, how do you get there? What are the challenges and how can that mentor really support them in trying to get to that level?
1: Okay. So back to your day-to-day job outside Mm -hmm. of the the game changing ed. Um, What led you to that point? Uh, and, And what I mean by that, I mean like something internal was this a position you were looking for or is this something that the higher up said, Hey, you'd be perfect for this role based on your experience.
0: It wasn't something I was looking for necessarily, but as I was seeking administrative opportunities, I realized even a long time ago, when you think about the assistant principal or the principal role, that is a lot about who, you know, Um, and being in the right place at the right time with what a campus is looking for. And so um, I think my mindset began to change and say, even if it's not an assistant principal or a principal type role, what other opportunities are there out there where I can really use um, my skills, my assets, my experience to still be a leader on the campus and still do something that i love and so once i came across the magnet coordinator and what that position looked like i knew obviously i could bring in my higher ed role as a recruiter and admission counselor and my years of classroom experience and leadership experience onto the campus um, campuses that i was applying for Um, and so that kind of became the decision around why i decided to apply for this particular position
1: so before you got this particular position again you you were department head for the English department and teaching eighth grade is that correct yes okay yes, um and you said teaching eighth grade the pre a p g t um yes courses okay, so getting them ready for that uh scholarly track through high school
0: correct exactly okay exactly.
1: awesome uh, and, and we have a lot in common as far as starting out um with the Uh, Well, I wasn't resourced. I actually had a self-contained class as a special educator. Uh, And then I matriculated into inclusion. And then I was like, you know, I was getting a lot of feedback. Like, hey, you're really great. You probably need a classroom of your own. And it was like, okay, well, let me go ahead and get this uh, English certification uh, added. And um, I did that. And then I, I haven't really looked back since. But what I'm interested in, because this has been heavy on my heart um did you did you get a calling to get into administration and i'm also curious to know uh if you're if you haven't already are you going to obtain your administrator's licensure
0: i think the calling came actually my first year my first semester and i don't know don't know if it was a calling as much as it was kind of a speaking into existence um Mm -hmm. My first year on the campus that I was at, I came under a principal who had been the principal on this particular campus for thirty years. Um, little little lady who was a powerhouse, and so she just stopped me one day in the hallway, and she was like, "Okay, so when are you going to school to become a principal?" And I was like, um, Miss, I'm like, I, I just need to make it through the first year at this point. So can I, can I at least get through the first year? And then we can have that conversation later. She's like, no, you need to get your degree and finish. And so I actually did. So I do have my master's. I do have all of the certifications that I need to be a principal. Um, and I finished that two years ago, but I was really focused on, um, just coaching and being part of the team. I mean, I, it really didn't dawn on me but you start to notice as you get pulled into different committees as you get Um, charged with being uh, all these responsibilities on the campus, it's like, okay, this I I can only do so much as a classroom teacher, so I'm going to have to get out of the classroom um, to really be effective because I didn't want it to affect um, the kids that I had because starting in SPED and even with my intervention classes, I wanted to make sure that I was still showing up for them 100%. But I I would be told, I mean, we have a huge, there was a huge um, tournament that happens every year in Pasadena, which is where I started. And I was the campus coordinator for um, the basketball tournament. So high schools all over the state came to the district and they played at all of our schools in the district. And so I remember principal early on also, this is probably in my first five years, Um, He was like, I'm going home. You're the administrator. I trust you. If something happens, call me. Um, And so I'm like, "Uh, "Okay, sir. Um, And so it was just kind of like and then every year um, building those relationships with the people at the district office, with the community um, people um, surrounding that tournament. That was a whole nother experience. Um, And then uh, I applied to be on the strategic planning committee. So working with six principals from all over the district that was another huge um, opportunity um, and a chance for me to kind of put myself out there and so it was really the continued opportunity to serve as a leader that was like okay let me go ahead and get this degree because clearly there's something that i'm putting out that's telling people she's a leader we we need her input or she's a leader we want to make sure she's on this committee um it was it wasn't a person it was more of the opportunities that were coming Um, and then for me, it was a a chance to, you know, show our black and brown girls that there are people that look like you in these positions because right now there aren't. Right. Well
1: said. Um, wow. So much to, to dissect there. Um, (laughs) and you said something really powerful about serving as a leader. What's your definition of leadership?
0: My definition of leadership would be someone who, no matter their position, they are in line with what the vision is. They don't necessarily have to agree with it 100%, but they are in line with the vision of the campus or the district is. And they take an active role in either helping to modify that vision where needed so that it is something that is helping the staff and the faculty and the students on the campus be successful. So that can be any anybody from the administrative staff to the band director, to the custodial staff, um, pitching in and just making sure that all of the efforts on the campus that help to feed student success um, are being successful and are supported.
1: Love it. Yeah. I- I see leadership and, and and perhaps it's it's from uh a spiritual perspective but I see leadership as as servitude and yeah. you know as you as you're detailing your journey and the opportunities that present themselves in each role you're looking with one objective to serve to serve to serve to serve exactly. and so it exactly. makes sense that you've been able to uh rise up rise up uh, into this opportunity, and, uh, and I'm confident that more great opportunities are going to be presented to you um, as you continue to serve, 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 so kudos to you for that. Thank
0: you. I um, appreciate that.
1: Now, you said you finished your master's um, and got your licensure for administration two years ago? Two, two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what, what school
0: did you attend? I attended the University of St. Thomas here in Houston um, and graduated class of 2016 proudly. Um, yeah, so, and thankfully, with that program, I was able to get all the certifications. I took my tests, It's added. When you look me up to see what I'm certified in, you'll see principal. So tomorrow, if I were to get a call and say, you know, we'd like for you to be an assistant principal here, I could go straight in without having to do anything extra.
1: Have you actively been looking for any assistant principal uh,
0: opportunities? I have for the <laughs> last 2 years. <laughs> um, um and I think for me I'm also kind of one of those people where it's like it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Um because I mean I I've, I've had plenty of interviews and plenty of no's and um I think most recently in the, this last probably 6 months really um has been more eye-opening in that there are other opportunities out there, but I know that I'm on the right track because even the last few no's have been no, but it's not because we don't think you would do a good job. It's just uh, we were looking for someone who had the exact same personality as the person that left. Well, I mean, right. I, I can't study for a personality test. <laughs> <So, laughs> right. um, it's been those kind of things. And, so, um, and even in those interviews where I did not necessarily receive um, an invitation uh, to be a part of the team, uh, my name was moved on to someone. I mean, one interview um, where I actually thought I had, well, I didn't think I actually had um in my mind the job from the principal unfortunately got blocked by an associate superintendent um although and then even after that he still sent my name to someone at the high school who sent my name to somebody else at a high school in a district that I know nobody at i mean he was he he was so great um because he didn't understand why I wasn't moved forward and so um just in that alone i'm like okay there 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 are some opportunities out here but i know that i'm at least on the right track because this this gentleman doesn't know me at all and he still sent my name um to two other people who were looking for um principals so
1: that's powerful wow um besides the assistant principal position are there other positions outside of the classroom you've been exploring
0: there are there in, in, in HISD. There, there are actually quite a, uh, quite a few. You know, HISD is the, uh, the biggest school district in Texas. And so um, they have a lot of opportunities. Um, I think right now it's just waiting for the dust to settle. Um, so outside of magnet coordinator, um, because we do have quite a few magnet schools between the elementary and the high school level, um, there are some instructional specialist positions um, that are of interest to me and some dean of student positions um, that would uh, be some potential opportunities. Um, but I'm like, you know, I, I really want to focus on where I am because the students need the change in the in the school, um, but more importantly, the community needs to see the change um, in the school and what we have to offer. And so that's really my focus right now.
1: And after you earned your... Uh, master's degree in leadership, did you notice a change in your teaching? Because at that
0: point you were still in the classroom, correct? Yeah, I think for me, I've always, the, the change really came with understanding bef- before I finished my degree, I already had a change in understanding all of the challenges that have to come from the state to the district. To the campus administration, down to the teachers. So I already already kind of had a shift in mindset in understanding what that looked like. And then once I graduated, even more so, um, it kind of changed because uh, I I was I started to see um, that it was almost like our priorities were sh- weren't where I kind of thought they should have been, um, and depending on you know what kind of principle you're under unfortunately, if they're newer then they they have that kind of shiny shiny object uh, mentality and so everything that comes their way you know is a new strategy that needs to be implemented rather than really looking at where the campus is where the teachers are and what can be done um, to get the best bang for our buck um, So thinking about that and really looking at okay how can I make sure that although I do have, those pre-AP GT students who are already high achieving, how can I still push them in areas where they can make improvements, not just in my classroom, but across the board in all the classrooms.
1: So how how many years have you been teaching now, or excuse me, in education now?
0: This is my that's a good question. What is this? My 13th year? My 14th year.
1: That's a long time. Wow. Um what what keeps you what has kept you in education? Have you considered leaving education at some point?
0: Um, I think what's kept me in is the relationships I built with my students and and really my parents. Um, uh, where I, the district I started in, it, it it was a family thing. I mean, I didn't just have one child from that family. I would get the brother and then the sister and then the cousin and then um it was a family affair, um, for me. And so that definitely in the beginning quite honestly it was coaching i I love coaching and i love being with the girls and doing that and then it became building those relationships with the students and the parents um and then now i think it is the opportunity to really affect some real change at a different level um that what that's what keeps me in um i have thought about leaving um and i still kind of might do something on the side because i've always wanted to do real estate and so um, that'll be kind of a, my next kind of outside of education adventure is getting my license. Um, but um, I think more importantly now, it is important for our kids that look like us to see someone that looks like us and not just see someone that looks like us, but see someone who looks like us, who understands their struggle um, and helps to support them in being better there's a big difference in just someone who looks like you, who's in administration, who doesn't understand anything, um, that you're going through and someone who looks like you who understands and is supporting you and being better and doing better and your lifelong journey and not just the few months that I have you out of the year.
1: Right. Agreed. hundred percent agreed. Uh, it's funny you mentioned real estate and I mentioned this before on the show, um, And I still can't find the book because I know exactly who I lent the book to. And I also (laughs) know that the book was uh, a self-published book. And I can't remember the author's name. I I know I purchased it from Amazon. I know it was self-published. I know it was a really thin book. It was a really thin blue book. But there is a book out there. Listeners, educators, let's do some research together. (laughs) <laughs> if we can if we can find this book, it's from this teacher. It's a male teacher. I think he's in the DMV, Connecticut area. He, yeah, he definitely is. I think he worked in Prince George's County, which if anyone knows anything about the D.C. area is a very uh, expensive area to live in. Um, and so most of his students came from wealth. And so he commented and discussed in the book how this, 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 um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for dichotomy between, uh, those that have, and those that don't have, and the, those that don't have for most of them were the teachers, um, Mm -hmm. versus the students and their parents. And so they would go into meetings and then the conversations were so tense because it was all based around, there was like this, this. Uh, uh, this air or this, um, this regalness that, you know, parents were carrying themselves with. They couldn't carry themselves with that uh, uh, facade with him. And the reason why they couldn't is because he had made a lot of money, a lot of money investing in real estate. Um, and he, and he was a full-time educator. He continued to teach, but he got, you know, his, his real estate license and he was selling houses, selling houses, selling houses and reinvesting. And I I think he got to the point where he was actually flipping homes. Um, but he made a lot of money from real estate and he had built up generational wealth. Um, so in this book, he details some of the steps he took to accomplish it. Um, But more important for me was the why he did it. Um, So it's funny you mentioned that you're interested in getting the real estate. I've talked to several educators who've been on the show um, and and they've discussed that they're interested in real estate. Um, I myself at some point, I'm definitely interested in real estate as well. Um, too. Um, so that that's funny. But please, if anyone can do the research and find the name of this book, I will buy this book. I will buy several copies of this book. I will give this book away um, in a giveaway contest or something like that. But I literally have been searching. I cannot find that book anywhere on Amazon. And I know I bought it from Amazon because uh, I stumbled across it. But anyways, um, so that's awesome that you are interested in getting into real estate. Um, you mentioned a few things about, you know, what I like to consider observational learning, the opportunity for our uh, students who look like us to be able to see someone like us in roles of leadership at their school. Um, and, and, and we're less than, you know, two, 3% overall. Yeah. If you look at males, we're even lower than that is that our biggest problem with attracting black educators or potential black educators and or retention wise being able to hold uh, strong black teachers or educators not only in the classroom but in the actual industry of education is that our biggest trouble
0: i think it's there are a couple of things i think it's I think the issue is there are so many, like in this new age, I, I don't know how long you've been in education, but there there's like a new age of wanting to be now the best kind of online uh, <laughs> brand yeah. of educator. Yeah. And it's like, that's wonderful and great, yeah. but how are all those pretty things helping your students? Mm-hmm. And how are you really consciously thinking about how you show up every day and what that means for the students that see you every day. Because there's also an assumption that just because I'm black, that means that I can reach all the black kids. And that's not that's not, not true. true. Not true. It's not true. Um, we were at a, a conference this past weekend in DC. Um, and so I had to bring that up because I'm like, don't assume that you can just go get the, the one or two black teachers you have on your campus And they're going to be able to connect to all of these students that you're having issues with, because really it's just about listening to them. Right. And so it's it's that it's that it's um, educators who are black who then get in administration and completely forget that there are still a whole slew of um, educators like them who are also trying to get there. So rather than support them and offer opportunities. Um, and correct them um, where they need to be corrected sometimes, because sometimes we need to correct each other yep. ra- rather than ignoring and saying, well, I'm not going to attach myself to that person because then they're going to think that I'm like that. Um, that becomes an issue. And so they, they, they kind of forget who they are. Um, and like I said, they drink the Kool-Aid. And so they they start to drink the Kool-Aid and then it becomes, well, not only do I not want to associate myself with you and support you in becoming better, now I'm going to sabotage you because I see where you could potentially go and I want to be the only one right now and I don't want you to come up. So I'm going to, I'm going to do things to now make sure that they don't see you any more than they see me. Um. And I think that's kind of becoming an issue. Um, and then I think, unfortunately, there are just so many of us who are quick, who just want to get out of the classroom quickly uh, without, um, because I know at least in Texas, for the most part, you only need three years before you can become an administrator. And I'm like, three years? You're barely realizing who you are as an educator right? Um, right. in most cases. And so while, yes, there are some people who who possess, leadership qualities that, you know, you definitely want to push out um, earlier because you, they, they can do that. Um, I think also, there's also something to be said when you do have a teacher of color who is a great teacher, you know, what opportunities can I give them out of the classroom without really pulling them out so that we don't lose a great teacher in the classroom,
1: Right. Right.
0: And so that's the struggle. You, you have great teachers who want to do more, who don't have the opportunity to do more. And then you have some people who aren't so great of a teacher who get out of the classroom quickly. And now you're leading people um, and not necessarily <laughs> in a great way, <laughs>
1: leading them astray. Exactly. Uh, well said. Uh, wow. That's a lot to dissect the, the social media thing. That was always my concern. Um, and this is year nine for me um so i feel i feel solid i feel complete i feel whole uh, i i've got the the data and the effectiveness and the in the life changing letters that will break your heart if i read them on air to you to let me know okay you've got this mastered and i didn't want to go into administration until i had that calling i only recently within the past 6 7 months had that calling a lot of it started from the death of a very close friend who was like an excellent principal, right? Mm -hmm. And so once I officially got that calling, I spoke it into existence. I had a conversation with my principal. I had a conversation with my, uh, uh, title I coordinator or instructional uh, uh, leader, as as we call her. I'm not really sure what her role is. She does everything. She does so much for us. Uh, thank you. Thank those, you. Right? Thank you, Mrs. Pylan. I love you. Um, and, and so after I had those conversations and spoke with my family, my parents, then it was like, okay, so my plan next year is to go into that. But back to the social media, um, I'm the type of person I like to move with purpose. And so for the first eight, nine years of my teaching career, my objective has been kids, 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 kids. Right. My objective is still kids, 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 because I'm still in the classroom. However, now, as you spoke about, uh, there are other opportunities for classroom teachers to gain some leadership and be an instructional leader outside of the classroom. Um, There's a master teacher position usually at most schools. Uh, learning coach position. I'm a, I'm a learning coach actually. So I get the chance to, uh, go into other classrooms, help brand new teachers, or like you uh-huh. said, sometimes veteran teachers who might be struggling with a particular class or a particular area. Um, right. and it's the same thing in Tennessee as in Texas. Like you only need three years of experience to technically become, you know, uh, an administrator. Um, or to even be considered to get in one of those programs. So, you know, like you said, three years, way too early to jump out of the classroom and to be uh, a principal, because if you think about it, an administrator is supposed to support the teachers to help them support the kids. If you weren't effective in supporting the kids in your role, your initial role, how can you possibly be able to take on that leadership role which you support teachers to make sure they're supporting kids and parents the right way and the community the right way um so that that's definitely a problem but again back to the social media um it worries me it worries me and and that's why i don't post as much i'll post when i have a new podcast episode i don't record every week um and and i'll apologize sometimes i'll throw something on insta story and i'll say hey School is kicking my butt right now. I've got a lot going on because I'm pacing myself because at the end of the day, I know what matters most. And what matters most is those kids in that classroom. At the same time, I do want to help uh, black and brown educators and just educators in general. And that's why I do the podcast. I did write a book, a very short book, um, Becoming an Effective Black Educator. I wrote that book. I wrote that book. With no research. My research was my experience. And I I say that the opening pages. Hey, if you're looking for uh, 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 statistics based, research based, uh, peer reviewed, if you're looking for that, this is not the book for you. This is a book from the heart. Um, And so I'm glad I wrote it. The next book I will write will be peer reviewed and it'll have that deep research that we all look for. But if you're looking for that, you need to get you a a, a teaching like a champion 2.0, (laughs) 2.5. You need to get you one of Robert Marzano's books Um, and all those books are great. I love those books, but I also feel like it's important to be able to get open dialogue And someone just exposing themselves like, look, I made this mistake. Look, I did this right. You know, maybe it can help you, maybe not. Um, So that's interesting. That's interesting. And I do see that a lot on social media. Um, I actually was watching last night a a video from uh, from a teacher um, who the entire class, the video was on her, but she wasn't teaching. Let's think about that for a moment. It, the vid, It was several video clips, long video clips. I didn't see her teach one one moment, one minute. It was just her talking to the class with the camera in front of her, but she wasn't teaching. If anything, she was fussing at them. the entire mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, is this an everyday occurrence? right? Because you know, I get it if you know, it's a testing day, kids are taking the test. Um, and especially if it's, you know, in, in English or something that's going to require a lot of reading and reading stamina, that's going to be lengthy. Um, and I can't remember what subject she teaches. I think she's a math teacher, which confused me even more. I said, how long is this, is this test? Are they still taking the test? Are they working on a worksheet now? Like, what are the kids supposed to be doing? Cause you literally just fussed at them for the past 20 minutes.
0: Yeah. But now you want them to learn from you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, And and I don't know if it's a younger teacher thing, um, but I do see a lot of younger teachers trying to be, you know, the teacher on social media. Um, And that concerns me a little bit because it's good to be able to share and express and expose the things that we go through on a daily basis as educators, but I feel like there's a little bit of overexposure and I'm not necessarily sure that their objective is the kids because I see more of them than I do the kids. Now, if it's your personal page, Hey, that's cool. I got it. You know, of course it's supposed to be about you, but if it's supposed to be, Hey, I'm an educator, this is the educator's page. And you're doing stuff on teachers pay teachers and you know, right. Then, I think the objective should be more so on the kids, even in social media, but um, what do I know? I don't know. I, I just make sure I limit limit my exposure um, and, and just continue to focus on what matters, which is the kids. And when it comes to the podcast, I like to focus on black and brown educators like yourself. Um, So, wow. Okay, good stuff. Um, Is there anything in particular that you are um, reading or watching or listening to, or maybe it's something from years back that you would recommend to a Black educator listening to this episode right now?
0: Oh, Lord. I've read so much. I'm looking at my bookshelf now like, what? what? <laughs> I, I Honestly, I would say there are two books that are not new and fancy and, you know, all that good stuff that I, I liked that really spoke to me early in my career. Um, and then I'll kind of talk about where I am now with, you know, how, how I kind of research and, you know, get motivation and all that So one book was Black Faces in White Places, which is not an educational book necessarily, um, but it does talk about, um, it's by Randall Pinkett and Jeffrey uh, Robinson. It does talk about being the only black person or being one of the few um, in a place where there are um, more of the majority and I think that's important because, as you said earlier with statistics, um, there most campuses there aren't a lot of us, um, depending on where you are. So that was a great book. Um, really, Do You by Russell Simmons um, is it, great because it really just talks about, I think sometimes, especially um, as you get further along in the career, you kind of feel stifled. With all of the all of the things that you have to do and all the thing the hoops that sometimes you have to jump through to do things for your students and then a lot of teachers just don't do them because they just don't feel like going through everything and so that's a great book and being uh, persistent and really kind of thinking outside the box in my opinion about what you're able to do and what you can do and really what you should do for your students. Um, I think later on in my career, I mean, other than, you know, kind of things that I've read either for school or for just my own purposes, there's not one that sticks out. But I will say podcasts have been real great for me because I'm always doing something. And so it's easy for me if I'm driving or if um, this this summer I was real big on walking every day, every day I had a new podcast that I was listening to, so I could go through a whole season um, of podcasts um, that are out there. But I think that's that's a great thing because not everybody learns the same. And a lot of podcasts, if you find the right ones or real short to the point, they give you some good information. Whether it's focused on curriculum, whether it's focused on building yourself as a leader, um, or whether it's just focused on your own personal self-care. You know, that's that's a big topic this year in um, education is um, making sure that we take care of ourselves as educators. Agreed. Um, um, because unfortunately, my, my old campus, our, the middle school that feeds into us, they just had a, a teacher, unfortunately, take his life on the campus. Wow. Um. And so, I mean, that conversation even more now, um, even so more now is important because, you know, it it, those things touch our students, and now, how are those students going to deal with that, and how are they going to be affected? And, you know, there's only so much you're going to be able to do because it's going to affect more than others. And then, how are how are the teachers going to take, you know, take because this is their colleague, um, that they saw every day, and um, how are they going to feel about it? So um, I, I think it's important really to, for as much as we look at different places f- to be better um, for our career, we also need to make sure that we are including things that are also going to help us just as a person um, maintain a, a good mental Stability, so that we can continue to show up, um, not just for our students but for ourselves.
1: Right, 100% agreed. Um, and self care, like every year, you know that that's a that's a what do they call it? Not a trigger word. That's a a buzzword. That's a Buzz- huge huge buzzword right now in education. Self care, but I don't mind it being a uh, buzzword for the simple fact that it's necessary. I've seen so many teachers get burnt out. Um, just going back to what we talked about before about um, not being able to recruit black and brown educators in the classroom or to continue to stay in education. Overall, uh, I feel like not knowing how to take care of yourself you can easily get burnt out, especially if you are at a challenging school, you're dealing with challenging kids. I mean, we're really all dealing with challenging kids, They're kids, but, um, (laughs) you know, trying to, you know, worried about your data and trying to get kids to the next level and, you know, struggling. And, you know, if you don't have strong leadership at your school, you know, and you're in the classroom, that's going to impact you somehow, some way. It's going to be hard for you to perform at your apex, at your prime, if your leaders aren't doing what they're supposed to do. So my recommendation for a book is actually what I spoke about with you about uh, real leadership and servitude. And so at one point in a former life, I was in the MBA program, um, which I'm a proud MBA dropout. I say that proudly. Ah. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, it, I, you know, when you think something's for you and then you actually get into it. You're like, yeah. I I should have prayed about this a little bit harder because this is not it. This is not what I really wanted. Um, But one of the things I always take away from business school is this book, the first book I've ever read when I was in business school. And it was just a very short nonfiction novel like book. It's called The Way of the Shepherd, Seven Ancient Secrets to Managing Productive People by Kevin Lehman. This book takes what I said previously and just details it even more Leadership, true leadership is servitude. If you're a principal, your assistant principal, your instructional coordinator, title one coordinator, curriculum leader, whatever your position is, superintendent, if you can roll up your own, you know, sleeves, hypothetically, and you can get to the grunt work and support your teachers and support the parents and support the kids, that's what leadership is about and a friend of mine recently and she moved she was an awesome math teacher she just recently moved outside of the classroom i don't know her position exactly but she's basically an instructional coach mm-hmm. and she posted a video on instagram recently of her teaching one of her uh mentees classes like she took over the class and she was teaching them a lesson to model for the teacher what you know something specific that the teacher needed to work on, uh, a refinement area, if you will. And she posted and asked the question, how many teachers have, you know, experienced this before where an instructional coach or an assistant principal or principal will come in and teach your class in order to not only benefit your students, but to benefit you, which in turn benefits your students. And like the numbers are like, it was like maybe 7% said, yes, yeah. my, my principal or, or leader or instructional coach has done this uh, before. And, and I'm going to be honest, in my, my nine years of education, I've never had an administrator teach my class, ever. Needle.
0: Needle. An instructional
1: coach, ever. I've never had that and happen. That's,
0: and I think that's part of the problem is there are so many that want these positions just to get out of the classroom and not right. to support teachers and them being better for their students.
1: Like, I feel like... Um, You know, Lord willing, I'm speaking to existence. When I when I do get the opportunity to become an administrator, no matter what the role may be, um, I have every intention on finding ways to dip back into the high, uh, back into the school, back into the classroom. Excuse me. I'm looking for every opportunity to get back in front of kids and and to teach and and to assess and to analyze data and because I want to stay in the midst of things. I want to stay in the loop of things. I never want to get... of touch to the point where i'm like i don't know how you reach this kid or i don't know how you enrich this kid or what intervention you could possibly provide for this kid or i can't help you with pacing this is what this book that i read told me you know you should do for pacing no i want to be able to always combine my knowledge and academic astuteness with actual experience like I remember this from when I was in the classroom or I did this or I did this or here, let me show you how to do this. Like, I love that she did that. And I think, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you have to be willing to serve and you've got to be willing to um, uh, submit yourself to
0: servitude. And
1: so, yeah, the way of the shepherd, I highly recommend it.
0: Perfect. I've already got it up. It's an audio book. I can get it on my audible. Perfect.
1: Oh, and you said <laughs> the perfect thing. Hey, the and it's not lazy, but I love doing it. One of our, and I'm going to say our, our best self-care tips, listeners, go to the park on a, on a decent day, walk, listen to a podcast. It doesn't have to be yeah. this one. It should be this one. But you can listen. There's, there's several podcasts out there. I listen to all different types of podcasts. Um, and just listen. And so you're, so you're working out your brain. You're working out your body. You feel good. You're one with nature. I don't know. But when I'm outside, I feel like God talk, God's talking to me sometimes when I'm outside. So I highly encourage. Highly encourage. That's a great self-care tip. Um, any last words you want to leave our, our black and brown educators, our excellent educators out there?
0: Um, I do want to leave one tip for any new educator. Your first year is going to probably be your worst year. Um, And there is no book, no tip that anybody can give you other than it will be the best learning experience as well um, that you're going to have. And just know that your students do appreciate you. They appreciate you. And as long as you continue to show up authentically who you are and care for them, they will also surprise you at the moment that you probably need it the most. Um, and I just want to tell, you know, everybody that, um, remember that our, sometimes our kids, you're the only adult that they may see the entire day. Um, so please make whatever interaction you have with them a positive one. Keep Leave your, I tell people all the time, you have a backpack of stuff that you bring every day. Leave your stuff in your car and show up. A hundred percent for your students, for your staff, for your colleagues and for yourself so that you can then go home with a peace of mind every day. Um, and then follow me on all my shows, social media. Um, you can follow you can find me on Instagram at Game Changing Ed. I'm um, on Twitter at Game Changing Ed and my website is also gamechanginged.com.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. What can I say? Mama out. Thank you for listening to the Black Scholars Podcast. For more information, Sometimes go to blackscholarspublishing.com.
0: You just gotta. Go! You will never know you can ever be. If you never try, you will never see. State in Africa, we ain't never
1: leave. So one no slaves in our history, one no slave ships, one no misery. Call me crazy, or isn't he? See